0: JP Morgan Chase Bank NA member FDIC. Copyright 2024 JP Morgan Chase & Company. Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula 1 Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G Advanced Network solutions can do for your business at tmobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at tmobile.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: Transmitter Media. This is Rebel Eaters Club, and I'm your host, Virgie Tovar. We are at this very moment working on bringing you season three of the show, launching May 3rd. While you wait, I wanted to share a little snack with you, an episode of a podcast I love and was a guest on called Your Magic. It's hosted by one of my personal heroes, Michelle T., Rebel Eaters, I think you're going to love this episode because Michelle and I talk about how diet culture messes with your ability to connect to your unique special sauce magic and the academically proven importance of gossip. Michelle also gives me a deep tearjerker tarot reading about how to rely on other people more. Uh, The deep wounds we know so well, Rebel Eaters. Bon appetit. One of the principles of magic that I subscribe to and that I think is so powerful is the notion of the interconnectivity of all things. The idea that plants and the trees and the oceans and the human body and the the galaxy and stars that they're all connected.
2: This is Your Magic, I'm Michelle T. Today I'm pulling cards for Virgie Tovar, the speaker, teacher, writer, and podcaster whose activism in the fat positivity space is intersectional, confrontational, intellectual, and deeply pleasure-centric. We're going to talk about miracles, hunger, and intuition. After that, we're visited by Bran Taylor, a queer witch, crossroads worker, and ritual Chandler at magic hour. They have a spell that helps us channel our big emotions into powerful energy for change. Stay with us. Okay, I'm going to take what might be a controversial stance in the Woo community, it's certainly been a controversial stance in my family, and that is, forgiveness is overrated. When I was younger, a man in my family took some pretty disturbing liberties with my person. It created a culture of secrecy and fear in my home that festered and really impacted my mental health. Pushed to question my reality, my intuition was decimated. A lot of my magic work as an adult has been about restoring my sixth sense, learning to feel it again and to trust it. When this guy was finally busted, he did what a lot of busted creeps do. He apologized profusely. Was he sorry? Probably. I believe his story and experience are actually quite complicated and that he had his own torments. But guess what? Not my problem. In a perfect world, the sorry man would be removed from my reality so that I could get support and heal. But I think we know that this world is pretty imperfect. The thing that really got to me, and that actually still makes me sting with injustice when I think about it, is how pressured I was to forgive him. My anger, I was told, was toxic. It is true that anger and resentment are powerful magics and carry a tremendously potent charge. And in this way, they are fantastic tools to use in short bursts for self-protection, to push for justice, to guard the vulnerable. Make them your main energy and sure, it's likely to turn on you, but they have their place. When my family insisted I trade my sacred anger for trumped up forgiveness, it just made me more angry. It would have made everyone else's lives a lot easier if I had been forgiving, which in my alcoholic New England family is a little synonymous with forgetting, but I felt my anger like a furious goddess in my heart demanding that I be made safe and that my trespasser have some consequences. My refusal to forgive him caused me to be estranged from my family for quite some time. Maybe I'm just a rebellious Aquarian, but that experience has made me a little suspicious about the reverence with which forgiveness is treated in our culture. In a culture rife with systemic injustice, where accountability is tough to come by, when I see forgiveness being pushed, it makes me ask, like, at whose expense? Who benefits from the forgiveness? Did they earn it? Who is granting the forgiveness? Were they coerced? I want in my magic toolbox all of the devices I might need as I move through this life. There is no good or bad magic, no light or dark, certainly no black or white. There's only energy, energy that we try to use for our highest good. And what that might be is sometimes a really tough call. Now let's go talk to Virgie Tovar. Virgie Tovar, are you here? I'm here. Oh, my God. You know what is magic, Virgie Tovar, is your voice. And your voice and your giggle, your voice and your magic voice and your magic giggle. It is so amazing to hear you. Thank you so much for being a guest at Your Magic. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, man. Um, I guess my first, you know, opening question for you is what is magic to you? I
1: kind of, I realize, right, like one of the things that I'm fascinated by is physics. Okay, so like we have this concept called physics, but other people perhaps throughout time have called it magic yeah right like we have we have all these things that we have all these sort of sciency like we imagine like a white man in a lab coat like right. talking about this stuff but it's like you know i think that not only in other parts of the world right now, and certainly I think in the West, perhaps historically, a lot of these forces, um, were considered magic. And so, in a, in a similar way, I do think of physics and magic as connected, um, as in, in this, in the sense that, like, right, like they are governing yes. forces. Like, they are things that the universe and humans and plants and tree, like, everything is governed by. Um, and I kind of think of it as, you know, like, it shapes the universe. I, 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 so I think, like, in that way, I kind of see it in the same way that I maybe conceptualize gravity or something like that. And I think that, like, when we do magic, when we engage in magic, we actually kind of shape the universe. it's it's all around us all the time um and so you know but for me the sort of like gorgeous edge to everything yeah like think about the bumblebee okay like a bumblebee is like a tiny little fat bear with (laughs) little wings and and according to physics it's not supposed to be able to fly because yes. it's too big but it does and so i mean that, and so like that for me i'm just like what like if that i mean that tiny tiny example of magic is like i'm just like you know how can we deny that we live in a magical universe if we have actual creatures that we that are all around us right. that defy physics like right. what is that thing And so anyway, that's like, that's a tiny, tiny example, but like, that's kind of what magic means to me.
2: I love it. I love it. And I'm so down with the physics tip. I love to think of science as like, um, It's trying to, it's kind of mapping the mystery, right? It's mapping the magic, you know? Yeah. I like thinking of magic and science sort of intertwined in that cool way. And I do think a lot of things that are magical are just scientific things that we haven't, we haven't gotten the science for it, right?
1: Right. Well, and some of it is like literally just words that have been put to magical phenomenon. And then we call it like, you know, empirical and I'm just like just because you can explain it with your words doesn't mean that it's not like completely wild like I just think (laughs) about like you know I think about like like a cap like a cassowary or a giraffe like what the fuck is that what are what are these things and it was like it's like yeah you can you can taxonomize it you can understand that it comes from dinosaurs you can know how it has babies but that doesn't mean you get it but it doesn't, you know. So anyway, I think like some of it is like I agree. Like it's the it, some of the stuff is just like mystery. We don't have language for it, and even sciencey dudes get it. Um, and then there's stuff where it's like even if you understand and can map every single part of that creature, or that phenomenon's reality. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like it's it's wild, it you know.
2: Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you for invoking the cassowary. I mean that. <laughs> Bird is a trip. Yes. Yes. And it's that thing. It's like if if we if we had located another planet with life on it and saw like a cassowary, we would be like, yeah, WTF? Look at this alien creature! <laughs> totally. Um, what is the spiritual or religious story of your family?
1: Okay, so it's kind of like you know, it's it's it immediately actually brings up another side of magic, um, which is uh, that, like, you know, I was raised by Mexican immigrants. And in Mexico, as well as a lot of other parts of the world, like the magical, the inexplicable, and the observable empirical, are there's not a binary the way that there kind of is in the United States, right? So, like for instance, your uncle, like you know, it's totally possible that like your uncle could die of the evil eye, and that's discussed with the same <laughs> earnestness as like anything else. Oh, you my know, God, yes. The short answer is, I was raised Pentecostal, okay. um, which is like this super stifling sect of you know christianity and most people are really surprised to hear like having been raised by Mexican immigrants, that I wasn't raised Catholic. And the interesting story there is that, um, so my great-grandmother was the last practitioner of Mexican Catholicism, which is very focused on the version of Guadalupe and, like, the relationship to and the engagement with, like, that figure, that feminine figure. Um, So the story goes that my great-grandmother was, and I mean, right, like, Christianity is both, you know, it's religious, but it's also cultural yeah. in Mexico. So, you know, I don't know the level of, of like, engagement that my great-grandmother had with the church, like the Catholic church or whatnot, but she was a devout version of Guadalupe worshiper and like and and devout Catholic and my grandfather was sort of known for being more of like kind of this like you know guitar playing um a little bit of I don't know like I don't think like sort of somebody who was like not a part of the church um maybe and maybe what we'd call an agnostic I just kind of think it's like it's almost not quite a philanderer but somebody (laughs) who's a little bit like associated with like oh that person isn't a church. Going person, which has a little bit of a disparaging tone to it. But anyway, he was kind of known for being like a musician, very handsome. And then there was this traveling Christian dude who was going all throughout Mexico and performing miracles. So the the story goes that my great grandfather is like, you know, off playing guitar, like an amazing, you know, whatever in like a bar somewhere. (laughs) Yes. So my great grandmother is like devoutly worshiping, you know, the version oh of my Guadalupe. God. My and then her brother, my my great great uncle, I don't <laughs> even know. Her brother had lost his vision, and it was like he was born sighted, and then he was slowly losing his vision, and he was beginning to sort of get into – like, he wasn't – it wasn't a known fact yet, but there were sort of suspicions about it because he had started to change a little bit of his behavior. And and then the, the traveler comes through their town of, like, Monterey, like, North uh-huh. Mexico – and is like, I will heal anyone who has an affliction. And my great-grandmother says, you know, heal my brother's blindness. And he does. Whoa. And then in that moment, my great-grandfather is there and he witnesses this. And he falls to his knees and says, I am dedicating my life to whatever religion you practice. And then he became a proselytizing pentecostal pastor who traveled all over mexico and did like revivals and you know and like was in texas and it was just like wild and so he became this like super religious man and so i was raised by his youngest daughter uh my grandmother and so you know part of part of like you know like the his specter was always there because she was so proud of his success like he started so many wow. churches and she sort of and there's all these documents of like you know these revivals that he would lead and these and he had a newsletter that he wrote um and so it's just and he like you know put aside everything like put aside the guitar put it like well that's that's not totally fair like he, he began to play in <laughs> church but like he no longer okay. drank and all, all these kinds of things right And um, so that's kind of the background of the, of my religious, you know, how my family converted from Catholicism and I'm always I always think about that moment of like what was it like for my great grandmother yeah. to sort of be told like guess what this like feminine focused religious practice you have it's like gone now and now we're gonna like worship this dude maybe it wasn't a big deal for her but something in my like in my you know epigenetic knowledge or something is like she probably experienced it as a, as a massive betrayal nice. like I, mean, I just can't imagine like being a woman in like the 1910s 1920s allowed to have this this like this like sort of like goddess worship almost yeah and like how exactly. affirming that must have been even in like maybe a subconscious way and then to have your husband who you can't really defy tell you that you don't get to do that anymore and now your job is to be like uh, essentially, like a servant to a bunch of people um, and this God that you don't really know. Like, very early on, by the time I was like 10 or 11.
2: I began to question the morals of what I was being taught. It's just making me think of, like, how, like, an organized religions tend to be so patriarchal and oppressive. And then it makes me think of, like, magic and, and witchcraft and that those kind of um, traditions as being, like, disorganized religion. Like, <laughs> this, like, feminist disorganized religion, you know, where it's, like, more chaotic and individualistic.
1: You know, essentially... Um, I would say any practice that connects um, feminine people and and I think you know all people to a certain extent, but I think because of the history of misogyny and sexism, particularly feminine people with their intuition mm-hmm. is a is a magical practice. Yes. And I see things like you know, reflective things, self-reflective things like tarot, like journaling, you know, like processing, like talking shit. Um, <laughs> I see these as, like I see these as magical
2: processes. So are you telling me that gossip is part of your spiritual practice? Yes. I'm I
1: mean, the. <laughs> I feel like you and I might have talked about this at one point, but there's actual research on like literally like academics doing research on the social the sociology and the social role of gossip uh-huh. among marginalized yeah. people, and how it's a way of like sharing information in an underground sort of information tunnel, um, and getting affirmation about like your suspicions about certain people. And uh, and how it's really only wasps who don't gossip is what the research <laughs> kind of in conclusion. And so, you know, and as somebody who's not a wasp,
2: um like of course that's part of my part of my magical practice. I love it. I'm wondering if you can um elaborate on how diet culture impacts magic.
1: Yeah, I mean, diet culture like viciously steals people's magic. Um right? Like I think, you know, mm-hmm. one of the first things that magic one of the principles of magic that that i subscribe to and that i think is so powerful is is the the notion of the interconnectivity of all things um you know the the mm-hmm. idea that like you know that the plants and the trees and the oceans and the human body and the the galaxy and stars um that they're all connected that there is no difference uh, that we're all made of the same thing, which, again, is physics, um, but, like, and also magic. Um, but, you know, like, and and I think that diet culture really comes from a very colonialist, patriarchal tradition, which is one of hierarchy, which is absolutely, it's about cutting off the interconnectivity of all things, and it's about saying it's about positioning human and particularly masculine dominion over all things, like over the natural world. Um, and and diet culture mm-hmm. really comes from from that from that ideology, right? And, and the way that it shows up is mm-hmm. is the notion of mind over matter. So one of the first things that mm-hmm. um that diet culture does that it undercuts your ability to have a beautiful and generative and pleasure driven relationship to hunger and to eating which are mm-hmm. which are not only mm-hmm. like necessary for survival but are literally biologically designed to create pleasure um and so diet culture goes in and says nope That process has to be regulated, has to be controlled, and has to be guilt-ridden. And, right, like, the same – in the same way that – it's the same methodology around sexuality, right? Um, Like, it's an idea that you have – the idea that you have to control sexuality um, and this thing that was biologically designed to help you connect to others and to connect to yourself and to connect to, like – you know, your magic um, is something that has to be regulated and controlled. And specifically, um, you know, I think that uh, there there's this really explicit connection to racism in that, in the sense that, like, right, the whole reason that Mind Over Matter, I think, became so important and is still so important in our culture is because of the idea that, um, that like, white men, deserve to take over and inherit the earth because they have that willpower and that it, it is like, you know, brown mm-hmm. people and black people who don't, who have that more animal relationship to the body and to the, to earth. Um, and therefore you know mm-hmm. they need to be controlled and so a lot of times right like that that connection show like right so diet culture is already always about a practice of racism and it's already always about a practice of like having a colonial relationship to the body diet culture is like a master gaslighter um in the sense that yeah. like you know one of the first things that people are taught on diet culture is like you you cannot trust your own hunger, which is which essentially is saying right. you cannot trust your body. you cannot trust your instincts. Mm-hmm. Um, you always have to govern those things. and and sort of like that that false separation from the natural world, including our own animal bodies, um, is like a really fast mm-hmm. way to be entirely disconnected um, from yourself.
2: I got a deck of tarot cards here, yes. Virgie. Do you want me to pull some cards for you? Yes, I would love that. What would you like to, what should we pull about? Oh, uh, I don't, like, I mean, uh, my
1: first thought was like, you know, I'm kind, I am kind of curious about like one transition that I'm in right now that's really terrifying and, and really Mostly it's just terrifying right now, but I'm kind of aware that it's, like, leaning towards generative, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's one of finally accepting that, you know, don't have to fight battles alone, Um, and, and I mean, literally, like, three days ago, I wrote in my Google calendar, I was, like, day that I welcomed in the, the notion that I need other people. Oh, that's beautiful. And so I just because I mean like I mean I've always known it, but it's always been a very reluctant, not even acceptance, almost like sort of like a reluctant, like, you know, it would be rude to believe that I that I like got here by myself and I refuse to be that person. But also like, <laughs> my God, I hate relying on other people for literally anything. Um, and so that transition into this. So I don't I don't know. Like that's kind of like my headspace is like, you know, what like maybe the question would be like, what are the tools I need? What um like what what is this pro where is this process heading? I don't know.
2: Like that's is that enough? But I do want to ask you, um what where do you think the um the apprehension to rely on other folks, like where does that come from? Have you pinpointed that in yourself?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a – I mean, you know, like, I'm a hugely parentified – like, I was parentified in childhood. Okay. I'm a recovering adult child of, you know, of alcoholic, dysfunctional family people. And so – yeah, like I'm just like, yeah, I had to be my own mom when I was like five. Yep. So it comes from that. And the yeah. sense of like that that everything feels really high stakes, like a hundred percent of the time, because it's like, if I don't do the thing and I like me personally, if I don't take care of it, the world's gonna fall apart, you know?
2: Uh, I do, I do. That's a really classic like way that when when kids are given way too much responsibility and families, like that's just that that's a classic way that you turn out as an adult. I'm going to pick some cards and just to see like, what does this path look like as you continue on it? And then I'm going to pick cards from an Oracle deck I have that I really love that um, will offer sort of suggestions of like what different kind of energies and practices can support you. Okay. So right now I'm shuffling and I'm just asking the deck. All right. So, oh, wow, Virgie. So your first card that I pulled for you is the Chariot which is really great. I'm going to pull all three and then get a little deeper into each of them. So the first card is the chariot. Oh my God. The second card is the six of cups, which in this deck is titled pleasure. Okay. Yes. And it's Sun in Scorpio. And then your final card is the hermit. This is beautiful. This is so beautiful. So the chariot is so interesting because um, it's a totally positive card, right? And it, It's your victory is assured when you get the chariot card but its full title is Mm. the chariot of war so it is talking about Mm. a fight like you're fighting against something right and it's like what you're fighting for right now is like your pleasure like your because it is a pleasure it's an emotional pleasure when you allow yourself to be vulnerable when you allow yourself to like you know Barbara said it people who need people they're the luckiest people on earth right so and the chariot is a it's cancer and um as an it's an emotional water sign so but it's you know the the charioteer in the card is wearing this golden armor and Cancers are the crab. So, you know, they are this little creature Mm. that is so tender that it comes with the shell. So it's very interesting. It's like this is a a card that's a lot about feeling like you need to be self-protective. But it's also about like in general, when the when the chariot card comes up, it's like you're on a journey and you're fighting for something. And it might be a little bit of a bumpy Mm. ride, but you are so committed. You're holding on like the crab does. And and that's and that's your (laughs) that's your Taurus, you know, that's your Taurus nature i get that you're not stubborn about um like intellectual areas you know you're really Mm. open to points of view but i do think that that stubbornness might come through for you in like your dedication to work and to not being afraid of hard work Mm. you know um in this deck, the Toth deck, the charioteer is also holding what is supposed to be an amethyst bowl full of blood. It's a little goth for you there. Ooh, <laughs> but wow. it's about sacrifice. So it's <laughs> like you're willing to make a sacrifice to get to this higher higher ground. And that higher ground is a place of pleasure, you know, where you're able to access like a deeper emotional. It's it's. Sun and Scorpio. Scorpios are very deep, right? Their emotions run deep and their connections to other people run really deep. And that the fact that the card is called pleasure, it's like this is very away from that Queen of Swords um, card, which is very icy Mm. and intellectual, you know, you're getting these warm emotional Mm. cards. And then you got the hermit, which is really interesting. And I think the hermit is coming up because, you know, the hermit is the character who has to do some really intense work on themselves. And they know that it's work that only they can do. And they've got to take the space to do it, you know. And they've got to take, like, the alone time and they've got to do the work. And it's an earth sign. It's Virgo. And so it's about giving yourself the structure to kind of um, do that work. And, you know, the the hermit goes away because – he doesn't want other people's influences he wants to really seek out what Mm -hmm. is his core truth underneath it all it's a really beautiful card it's very and you know the rendering of it in this deck there's a it's also about fearlessness uh he has the three-headed hound of hell sort of like bar- you know jumping on his leg and he's just ignoring it he's like ignore. he you know he's like okay it's scary i get it it's scary but you know like this is my path and i'm really dedicated to it and it's about he's holding a lantern and the hermit in all tarot i think is always holding a lantern and it's just about finding your inner light you know and so this is beautiful mm. i love this path for you I'm now going to pick out, if you'd like, this Oracle deck, and um, it's called Vessel. So I'm going to just shuffle just asking, okay, we see that Virgie is on this journey. She's in the chariot. She's headed toward pleasure. She might have to stop off at a roadside cave every now and then and, like, let her hermit, let her, <laughs> her hermit out. Your first card that you got is called Trust. And it's this picture of this, yeah, of this, like, feminine Ooh. person with her head back and her eyes closed and her long hair is cascading. And there's, like, a green hand with a heart on the palm and a red hand with the heart on the palm. It's very, like, notebook doodly looking, but also, like, mystical. Mm-hmm. And your second one is Begin. the car- And it is um, an eight-pointed star that's red with, like bursts coming out of it like like rays of light and also hearts and diamonds um it's really explosive looking and then you have forgive oh, deep oh, man. deep right <laughs> deep stuff here man i know So it's like, wow, here we go. Trust, you know, and so much of the work that you do in the world is getting people to trust their intuition again. And it's like you practicing that yourself, you know, and and trusting your path that you're on and trusting the decisions that you've had to make and then begin like every day. It just makes me think how like every day we begin again. Right. We begin our day anew. And so like every day. Like, mm. beginning this practice over again, right? Even though it's a path that you've been on for a while, just th- to know that it's like, it's going to manifest in a new way every day. Like, new aspects of it will manifest itself. New aspects of your own interior will reveal itself. So, the sense of always beginning, um, but in a really positive way, right? And then forgive. I'm sorry you mm. got the forgiveness card. I think forgiveness is highly overrated in the... Uh, In the (laughs) spiritual community, (laughs) frankly, I think we need to make some more room for holy resentment. But, you know, (laughs) there... (laughs) Yeah, it is, As I just think everything has a time and a place and you can't force forgiveness right
1: well and Michelle it might be like forgiving myself I mean like we can we can claim that process like when you when you when you told me that it was forgive my brain was immediately like you know there's obviously the traditional understanding of like forgiving the people who wronged you but it's also like it can be forgiving ourselves it can be like you know just because I forgive the wrong the wrongdoer doesn't mean I have to do anything else yeah You know, like, I can just make that gift for myself. It doesn't have to be about doing anything in the physical world with them. Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah, you can forgive somebody. And that doesn't mean you want to, like, be their bestie afterwards. You can just sort of acknowledge. Yes. You can just acknowledge, like, it's okay. Like, I understand complicated forces, you know, worked together to make this terrible situation happen, maybe for both of us. And I release, I'm releasing myself from it. Yes, totally. Ooh. Oof. Yeah, seriously. And you know something? What's really interesting is I picked three cards from each deck. And so underneath the chariot is trust. And I feel like I feel like they're having a little bit of a relationship. So it's like trusting your journey, trusting trusting what you're th- the direction that you're heading in, trusting the gusto that you're sort of applying to this path. And then underneath pleasure is begin, right? So begin a deeper, you know, exploration mm. of pleasure, a deeper um you know, reverence of pleasure. And then underneath the hermit is forgive. So it is this sort of like, like going off, and it's very internal. It's an internal process, where you need your internal light to guide you. Um, and know that it's like, uh, it's coming purely from you. And it's not a pressure from like, the culture, because I feel like the culture puts a lot of pressure of forgiveness as a virtue. And you know, oh, and I just oh, does, I'm very suspicious yeah. of it <laughs> as a, yeah, you know, I just feel like, Who's that serve? you know, it's like, it's, let's deconstruct the the power dynamics and, and who that benefits. But, Agreed. you know, it is also true that resentment can harm us internally. So I love this. I love this for you. It's really deep and it's really beautiful. Oh, I've been
1: like literally tearing up and trying like I just, you know, like the whole time. Yeah. So it's I feel I feel like it really resonated really deeply. So thank you.
3: Hello, listeners. This is Bran, and I do magical work under the name Magic Hour. And this is a spell to create space for the dark. Big, powerful emotions can push us into a new direction. They are a catalyst for transformation. Transformation. They help raise our heart rate, spark our passions, and fuel our voice for change. And this change leads to growth. Growth can ignite revolution, and revolution can bring much needed justice. For inspiration, envision those revolutionary people who allow their big emotions to be expressed and felt deeply. Those who channel it through activism and through their art. Now I believe all emotions are on a continuum and I like to think of this continuum as a rainbow. Feelings like happiness, joy, and excitement are part of the day rainbow and feelings like rage, anger, and grief are part of the night rainbow. All emotions are valid and exist here in a non-judgment zone. Both sides of the rainbow meet at the crossroads of the earth to form a full and beautiful circle. Now, to magically work with the darkness, we need to make space for it. For this spell, we're going to make an altar space to honor the dark and to create a place to express the emotions of the night rainbow. You will need an offering for the dark goddess or deity that you work with. Today, I'm using black Hellebore flowers from my garden a pen and paper, a bowl of salt water, a dark-colored rock or two I'm using a black tourmaline and a gray river rock, a black or dark-colored candle. Holding the intention of honoring the darkness, arrange the items on your altar one at a time. As you place the offering for the dark goddess, imagine the grand doorway to spirit easily opening for you. As you place the salty cauldron, think or say the words, my grief and fear is sacred. As you place the strong rocks, think or say the words, my disgust and fatigue is sacred. As you place and light the candle of change, think or say the words, my anger and rage is sacred. Lastly, we're going to charge the altar with a poem by Wendell Berry. Write this poem on a piece of paper and place it directly on your altar. Repeat these words whenever you want to magically connect with the dark places. To go in the dark with a light is to know the light. To know the dark, go dark, go without sight. And find that the dark too Blooms and sings, and is traveled by dark feet and dark wings. Find yourself using this altar whenever you need a space to express your shadow, places, and big emotions. Cry, scream, write, or sing. Spirit can handle it. For here, your magic honors the complexities of the powerful dark.
2: brand taylor i love that so much this whole concept of the day rainbow and the night rainbow such a simple and strong way to think about the polarities of our emotions and honor them if you want more of brand's magic wisdom in your life please check out magic hour their enchanted candle company they're really special Thanks for tuning into Your Magic. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Magic. You can subscribe right here on Spotify. Just do what you have to do so you don't miss an episode. And sign up for our newsletter at ThisIsYourMagic.com and get more musings from our team of spiritual seekers. Also, you can email us at Hello at ThisIsYourMagic.com. We would love to hear from you. This episode was produced and edited by Molly Elizalde, Tony Gannon, and Raven Yamamoto. We got production support from Veronica Agard, Christine Marr, and Vera Blossom. Our executive producers are Ben Cooley, myself, and Molly Elizalde. Our original theme music is by John Kimbrough. Tune in next week for a conversation with poet Morgan Parker. Thanks for listening.
1: I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Listening back, it's so clear that one, it's not only dudes in lab coats who can understand life's mysteries, two, cassowaries are excellent proof that just because something has a name doesn't mean it's not totally out of this world, and three, any practice you love, from journaling to gossiping, can help you reconnect to your magic, intuition, and desire. You can check out more episodes of Your Magic only on Spotify, or you can find the crew on Twitter and Instagram at this Is Your Magic. And stay tuned for a full Season 3 of Rebel Eaters Club. We'll be dropping new episodes starting May 3rd.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
1: Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they
2: use to turn their ideas into success.
0: From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger.